Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the EMX Core podcast, a podcast where we will invite customers, partners, or anyone of whom we think has something interesting to say or some interesting views on the internet and networking industry. Today, we are talking to Alex Deoda about starting a new job during a pandemic at the Amsterdam Internet Exchange and about a tool he developed to fight the hosting of child pornography. Welcome, Alex. I'm very happy that you're here to join us for this podcast. How are things going? Well, excellent. Uh, what we see is that basically uh, for a large part, it's well back to business. Uh, people are frequenting the offices uh, a bit more. Um, as we saw in the Netherlands, even the Minister for Justice and Safety, who is in charge of <laughs> um, the 1.5 meter distancing rule, uh, at his own wedding, uh, decided uh, it wasn't uh, necessary. I think in the Netherlands, it's it's well, the figures are going up a little bit. But from what I understood, it's basically the young people, uh, so the infections go up, but the mm -hmm. uh, people admitting admitted to the hospitals basically stays the same, or is even uh, declining. So, um, well, uh, all in all, I think. Uh, from perspective here in the Netherlands everything is going uh, quite okay going quite okay are you still working from home or are you in the office as well no I'm still working from home um, I think it's it's well easiest we do have a very good uh, infrastructure digital infrastructure in the Netherlands um, so working from home basically well it's not that much of an, uh, of an issue for most yeah. people who are able to work remotely. Yeah, exactly. Um, however, if it's possible to go to the office, um, I'll definitely be at the office. Uh, last yeah. week, I went to the office twice. Um, well, as you probably know, I started at OMSIX uh, three months ago. Mm -hmm. um, so I know a lot of people through Zoom, uh, but I haven't had real interaction uh, with them. Um, and meeting people and uh, not shaking hands, but giving them the elbow and drinking a cup of coffee. Um, yeah, that, that's a real nice way of getting to people to, well, know. Yeah. And it, it well, definitely beats the uh, uh, clinical Zoom sessions uh, we've had previously. Yeah, I can imagine. It must be really weird starting at a, a new job without meeting the people, without ever setting foot in the office? Yes, it's um, it, it's strange that normally I would walk around, you know, you see a person, you say hi, uh, what you're doing, and you can introduce yeah. yourself. Um, and with Zoom, well, we have this Zoom call, and then you introduce yourself. So everybody knows who you are, but you basically have no idea who maybe 50 out of 60 people are. Yeah. Um, so when you're in the office, they say, hey, Alex, and you're thinking, okay, who are you? <laughs> um, so it's, yeah, uh, yeah it's, 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 it's strange. Yeah, I can imagine. What must be nice to then finally now actually seeing the faces? Yeah, um, but I mean, so, some people you, you speak, um, well, not daily, but weekly uh, in yeah. a Zoom session, and others uh, you hardly have any interaction with. So yeah. If you see them, it doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, true. Cool. Well, can you uh, tell us a little bit more about about yourself? I mean, you you already mentioned you worked at uh, Amsterdam Internet Exchange. Um, well, started there three months ago. 
uh, basically doing uh, risk management, compliance, uh, a bit of legal, um, some lobbying, uh, connections with the government. Uh, we have a telco regulator that's interested in uh, what we're doing, uh, downtimes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think a really nice part if you like it, and I do like it, and other people <laughs> think it's quite boring talking to, to the government. Uh, but I think it's, it's fascinating. Uh, you learn what they think. Um, some of them really have no idea what the internet entails. Uh, so you can also do some uh, explaining of what is good and what is bad. Um, so that's, in my opinion, really, really nice. Yeah. Before uh, I went to AMZIX, I worked for NL Digital which basically is the National Trade Association for IT companies in the Netherlands. So Google, Facebook, Microsoft, uh, Booking, uh, HP, Dell, well, a lot of those uh, big names in tech, they are a member. And I was basically active in, uh, in Brussels and in The Hague, uh, making sure that they also understood what are the challenges for these companies and how we can basically ensure that the digitalization of the Netherlands uh, proceed, you know, as, as we're one of the front runners. Yeah. And I think we, ha we have this unique position that basically the Dutch people aren't that afraid of technology. Um, mm -hmm. They're ready and they're willing to embrace it. Um, and that makes that basically we have an infrastructure that needs to adapt. Um, and if you look at well, what, what then happens, we have a government um, that more or less is uh, relatively uh, digital savvy, you know. Um, mm -hmm. We have uh, DigiDay, which is a way to authenticate yourself. Uh, a lot of information is available uh, on the internet. Um, most people working in the government do have an email address and you can contact them by email. Um, so I think that there is a lot of information also available uh, digitally. Um, so if you look at other countries, uh, yeah, I said I, I work in, in Brussels and in The Hague, if you go to uh, Brussels, um, that's a different level of, of uh, digital they, they understand there. Mm -hmm. uh, even if you uh, want to open a, a bank account um, in, in, in Brussels, uh, it's, it's totally different. Uh, instead of making your appointment online, you have to go to the office. Um, you go in an empty bank office. Uh, you say, okay, can I open a bank account? Um, they look at you and say, oh, sure. And then they <laughs> give you a day three weeks uh, later. Yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, it's, it's, it, it's, a, it's a different world. Takes a bit um, of extra time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we're, we're relatively blessed here in the Netherlands. And as a Dutch person, and most Dutch persons probably... Uh, they don't realize how blessed they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that's what you're used to. They're, they'll probably even be uh, be frustrated if it doesn't go fast enough for them. Yeah, I mean, even if you you know if you drive here on the uh, on the motorway, um, basically everywhere you have ninety nine percent reception of of uh, telephone signals. Mm -hmm. If you then go on a holiday in Germany, you know, big stretches yeah. of the Autobahn, uh, zero internet. Uh, yeah, true. Um, so making that we have a very dense uh, populated country, uh, which isn't that big. Yeah. Um, yeah, we also had the, well, the, the, the good ingredients 
I think for this uh, for a really nice environment. Yeah, true. Do you see that uh, now, especially, of course, also with, with COVID-19 and a lot of stuff is getting more online and digital, that that um, like development of digital, digitalization uh, is, is being sped up? Well, I mean, um, I, th I think there was this meme at the beginning of COVID that the biggest driver for um, digitalization in 2020 was COVID, mm -hmm. and not the IT. IT department. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of organizations suddenly needed to work remotely or offer that. Um, so suddenly all the discussions, uh, you know, can I trust my uh, employees? They're null and void uh, because you had to trust your employees. Yeah. Um, because you had to give them access. And I think it, it really turned out that people are more productive if they work uh, from uh, from home. Um, the feedback I received, uh, at least at, at AMZIX, is that it's very difficult for people, or more difficult, uh, to clearly define, okay, now it's working time and now it's time off. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, it's, it's a big driver for digitalization. Uh, a lot of organizations basically had a very small line um, from the office uh, going out. Um, if you then have your VPN uh, concentrator in your office uh, and 100 people start using it, yeah, then your line, your internet connection isn't big enough. So you need to upgrade. Um, so for a lot of these organizations, it meant upgrading connections, uh, getting more licenses uh, for uh, VPNs, uh, making sure that remote work is possible, um, I think Ziggo, one of the, the largest uh, um, uh, internet service providers here in the Netherlands, uh, they basically made sure that their whole support desk uh, would be able to work from home. Okay, yeah. Um, so even uh, call centers, etc., cetera, um, well, they couldn't be in the office, so they had to find a way to make sure that basically they could still service their customers. Um, and I think in the end, this, uh, it worked marvelously. Yeah. And did and you did you see like a big increase then as well in at at Amsix which is one of the largest hubs for internet I think around the world even? Yeah, I think we're yeah. the number 2 or so. Yeah. Um, I think we we saw a well 17 20% increase in traffic um, mm -hmm. during uh, during the day. Um, but all in all this was quite manageable and I think the the infrastructure in the Netherlands is such uh, that hardly anyone notices. Yeah. Um, the big impacts for the network basically is if, if Microsoft, Apple, and one of those gaming companies uh, send an update at the same time. I mean, then yeah. it's then it's busy, you know. Um, and now it's basically a better utilization of of connectivity, uh, so nothing to work uh, to worry about. It's just business as usual. Yeah. Exactly. Next to uh, your work at Amsix, you also run a very interesting project aside of that, uh, where you're trying to, well, reduce the amount of child pornography that's being hosted on Dutch, Dutch servers. Yeah. Uh, can you tell a bit more about that and what the, what the tool is that you came up with? Yeah, if, if we go back uh, a long, long time, uh, I think it was 1994, 
I was involved with Access for All, um, and we basically already had this discussion about the Netherlands being Sodom and Gomorrah, um, all kinds of content were available, and with a group of people, we then um, had a, well, thought process, and basically that resulted in the uh, establishing of the hotline against child pornography, uh, Meldpunt Kinderporno, as it's called in Dutch. Um, we had liaison with the police, how, how should we deal with this? Um, we then became part of InHope, uh, all the hotlines in, in Europe uh, together founded InHope, which is an association uh, to Dutch laws based here in Amsterdam also. Um, and basically we, well, we tried to educate people uh, what the laws are and informed organizations that they had child pornography on their servers. Um, I then became a dad and I was like, okay, you know, this is enough. A <laughs> um, couple of years ago, we had uh, the new minister of justice, Grappenhaus, the one we mentioned uh, before. And he basically said, oh, it's totally ridiculous that 70% of the European child pornography is hosted in the Netherlands. We should do something about this. Um, as I was the security officer and regulatory counsel for a large hosting company, before I went working for NO Digital, um, I had devised a system whereby basically, if you look at a picture, uh, you can make a digital fingerprint out of it. It's called a hash. Um, and you can basically check hashes against hashes. So if there is a known picture in a database, um, in a police database, an Interpol database, a Europol database, then you can basically match known pictures um, that are uploaded by these image farms. Um, and then you can basically, as the owner of, of uh, one of those image farm, you can basically uh, have the picture automatically deleted. So it was very successful at the company uh, that I worked for. Um, we did a test, uh, Dutch police was very hesitant about the test because they thought it would give them an enormous amount of work. Mm -hmm. So after the test, they decided, okay, you know, um, let's wait and see. Um, so we basically uh, stopped the, the, the test. Then of course, Grapperhaus came by and said, okay, you know, what are the possibilities? Yeah. Um, and I basically said, well, this is what we did at uh, this, uh, this previous company. Um, this is something we can do very easily uh, here. Um, so then he said, okay, that's a very good idea. Uh, but in the meantime, um, in the Netherlands, we have the GDPR in implemented, the, the privacy law. So there was this huge discussion within the police if this hash, so it's, it's not the picture itself. Um, yeah. There's no identifiable person uh, on, the, on the hash. Uh, but it's basically uh, just the, the, the fingerprint. Yeah. Um, is that a, um, well, GDPR thing? Can you share these, these fingerprints? So I think Dutch police took about five months to decide that, uh, no, it's possible to, uh, to make these hashes available. Um, so basically, uh, we set up a, uh, a system uh, to uh, uh, HA proxy uh, servers. And I think we have four instances behind um, 
these proxies and they basically well do I think 140 they check 140 hashes per second um, there is one guy who's putting several billions of hashes uh, through the system as, uh, as we speak oh wow um, so i'm not quite sure what the hit rate is so that's something you should ask uh, uh, meltprint yeah uh, but from what i understood there are several hundreds of hits uh, um, they have they've seen yeah now the, the one of the issues is because the algorithm used is SHA-1 uh, MD5, that if you put a logo in a picture, the fingerprint changes. Okay. So only an exact copy that's yeah. shown to the police uh, will get a match. Now luckily Microsoft uh, is a very good uh, company that's sponsoring uh, research into how, how to combat child pornography online. Mm -hmm. They devised a new algorithm, PhotoDNA. And with PhotoDNA, you basically um, still can identify a similar uh, picture, even if it's not a 100% complete uh, match. Okay. Unfortunately, that takes a lot of CPU resources. So within the, the current infrastructure we have, um, we, we can't use it. Uh, and luckily... Uh, Cisco will be uh, making available some uh, well, beast computer, as I call it, <laughs> um, that basically has four CPUs, you know, the, the, the yeah. Intex, Golds, uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, so we can basically use that equipment to um, use PhotoDNA and make that available to the uh, image farms and other people who basically want to get rid of uh, child pornography uploads of pictures that aren't exact matches but are near matches and then it's up to the website owner to decide if he's basically agreeing to remove 80 percent or 90 percent or whatever is the yeah. percentage that he feels uh, most comfortable with um, so i think that's that's a very nice way of making sure that we're using technology uh, in a good sense yeah um, we're even i think price waterhouse coopers is doing some ai stuff where they basically train some AI in, is it a human, is it a non-human? Um, yeah. Is, is it a adult, is it a non-adult? Is it a, um, a child with clothes or is it a, a, a naked child? Um, basically to make sure that, I think Meltprint basically gets about 400,000 um, um, references. Yeah. Um, and uh, there are six people basically deciding whether or not it's child pornography or not. Mm -hmm. um, that there already is this huge um, decision tree in front. Um, yeah. So they don't have to basically look at pictures that are, you know, most likely not, not, not child pornography. And yeah. they can basically uh, review the pictures that most likely are. Yeah. And hopefully they can, well, find some new stuff, which they then can relay to the police for investigation and hopefully uh, while saving a child. Yeah, that is a really good tool. Is it, is it, is it the, the like hosting companies and stuff, do they run the, the tool themselves or is it something that you guys run for them? Uh, how how no. does that work? Yeah, basically it's, it's not the hosting companies that are involved uh, as such, mm -hmm. uh, but it's the customers of the hosting companies. Yeah. 
Okay, in the Netherlands, we have this uh, net neutrality and no defect inspection uh, policy, which basically means that as a uh, hosting company, well, you can't do defect inspections. Yeah. Um, so basically, you have to review who are your customers, um, how many complaints do you get from the Dutch hotline from Meltpunk uh, per month for a customer, and if this customer basically uh, receives um, a certain amount of uh, child pornography hosting complaints, then you contact this customer. Um, and then the, com uh, the customer basically can access a special API um, and they can then upload, uh, they, they make the fingerprints themselves, mm -hmm. they upload the hash and they get a one or a zero. Well, this is known and this is unknown. Yeah. Um, if it's a known picture, then basically um, the a website owner removes the picture. If it's an unknown picture, um, it can basically mean it's a uh, unknown picture that still is child pornography, but it's unknown to the database, mm -hmm. or it's a well regular picture, so to say. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like uh, if you use it, you will have no child pornography on your server anymore. It's just the known child. Yeah, pornography. exactly. Yeah. Um, that's basically loaded and tagged. Okay, cool. Is it is the tool only working for the Netherlands or is it uh, international? Uh, good question. Um, that's it. I, to be honest, I don't know. Um, okay. I think that's something people, if they're interested, they should contact uh, AOKM. Yes. Yeah. Um, which basically is the um, the foundation that runs the the hotline. Um, they send an email to info uh, at, I, I guess. And then basically you will get a, a answer. Um, I'm not quite sure if this is available uh, from Meltpunk for non-Dutch organizations or if there is a other organization that might make it available to them. Um, you know? Uh, yeah. I think the, the, the issue with the Netherlands is that we have a... Um, well, we have an infrastructure. Um, you know, everything is basically uh, free. So as a customer uh, of Meltpunk, you don't have to pay uh, Meltpunk anything. Mm -hmm. It's just a service for you to make sure that the known child pornography images uh, can be removed. Yeah. Uh, if the whole world were to use uh, this, um, I think the infrastructure would be a bit overwhelmed. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> a, a little bit. Um, so, yeah. Um, if, if you're interested, uh, please contact uh, aokm.nl and they will probably help you um, further. Yeah, I'll put the link in the description as well. So it's easy to find. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. I think we covered quite a lot of it already. Are there any, any projects, any things you're like, oh, that's what I wanted to mention as well? Well, I think if a lot of networking people will listen to this podcast, mm -hmm. um, the e-commerce directive, I think, is one of the uh, foundational laws that basically govern internet and liability of uh, service providers. There now is the DSA, um, Digital Services Act, uh, at the European level. Uh, and I would basically ask everyone who's interested in in well, these things and liability things, um, please make sure that you pay attention because this might change 
um, the way you have to do business. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one, actually. Just have the bit, have a little bit of awareness on the on those regulations and. Uh... Yeah, if you if you are basically a member of a um, organization, um, and a, a tech association or you know some other uh, form, uh, basically ask them what is the status, uh, how can you help? Yeah. Uh, because if this goes the wrong way, um, well, you're into it. Liability will becoming a nightmare for most organizations. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for being on our podcast. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yes, of course. Bye-bye. Yes, okay, bye-bye. For the people listening, thank you for listening to this episode. Please let us know what you thought about it or if you have any suggestions for the next episode. Hopefully until the next one. <laughs>